Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. On this episode of the Oklahoma Breakdown with Iker and Lehman, presented by Riverwind Casino, Travis Hines joins us to preview OU Iowa State. In the National College Football Roundup, we preview some of the best games in Week 12 of college football. We wet the beak with Sunday's matchup between the Dallas Cowboys and Kansas City Chiefs, and we finish up by giving you our winners and losers of the week. Please download and subscribe to the podcast, rate it five stars, and write us a good review. Follow the show on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search Oklahoma Breakdown on any of those, and you'll find us. All right, our man Michael Hostie will kick this thing off. It's time for the Oklahoma Breakdown. It's a beautiful Thursday. It's Thursday. (laughs) It's a beautiful Thursday. Oh, we're off to a hot start. It's a beautiful (laughs) Thursday, November 18th. And you're listening to the Oklahoma breakdown with Iker and Layman presented by Riverwind Casino. Riverwind is Oklahoma City's premier casino experience and your health and safety are Riverwind's number one priorities. There are so many reasons why Riverwind is consistently voted OKC's number one casino, but it all starts with their amazing variety of gaming thrills and excitement. Riverwind's beautiful award-winning environment plays host to more than 2,800 of the latest electronic games with a huge selection of table games, including blackjack, blackjack match, roulette, and Teddy's favorite, craps. No matter what your game, Riverwind has it in spades and hearts. And Fridays in November from 6 p.m. to midnight, you can win your share of $115,000 in cash, bonus play, and prizes in Riverwind's Let's Get Digital promotion. Preliminary drawings are every 30 minutes, and grand prize drawings will happen at 11.59. If you need help finding your way, just visit riverwind.com, Riverwind Casino, still the one now recording this Wednesday night. Please leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. Also, if you would like to sponsor the podcast, please email theoklahomabreakdown at gmail.com and we will get you all the information. Teddy, in mere hours, you will turn 40 years old. How you feel? Is that it? Because are, are we celebrating? I know you were having a hard time with this. I left it alone. 
for like the last mm-hmm. month. I gave you a hard time for it. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to let my lay it, my man live. But now you are essentially 40 years old. By the time a lot of people listen to this, you will be 40. How you feeling? I feel okay. I'm wondering whenever I open my eyes in the morning, is it going to feel like a new world? Like, uh, am I going to have, have trouble putting my socks and shoes on? I don't know. As of right now, I feel okay. I feel the same. It's just a number, but there is going to be, I think, some sadness tomorrow making that transition to the big four zero. It's weird. I don't feel 40 or whatever you're supposed to feel like, I guess. I don't know. It's just, I, uh, it's, it's sad. I think, I, I think cause I'm 31. So 40 feels like really far away, <laughs> but in my head, my 40th birthday, it's like when I flip the switch and I just like go and start doing like the testosterone stuff or like start taking HGH, like in my head, 40s, the age where like all of that starts. I don't know why, but I, I, I don't think know. That's, that's typically those are my right. only thoughts. That's typically right. I mean, it's all supposed to start going downhill, right? You're, you're over the hill. It's everything's supposed to start falling apart. We'll see. Well, well, you look good. You sound Appreciate good. Appreciate it. And, Thank you. And this is going to be a great episode. And happy birthday, buddy! I love Thank you, you, sir. You are a you, you are a tremendous podcast partner. <laughs> Couldn't ask for a better podcast partner, buddy. Well, likewise. that's forty. By the way, you're forty. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god, you're so old. No wonder okay. you fit me. That I could always be the old guy, right? Yeah, I keep you around to make myself feel young. That's mm-hmm. what's going on here. All right. Mm-hmm. So you hosted, uh, co-hosted Lincoln's show this week. Uh, anything stand out about what he said? Yes. He said that he wished he would have stuck with running the football more. And I kind of, I, I, I agree with that. Um, there were some times I think we were hitting some chunks in the running game. That was something. Now, I don't know if that means that we should look forward to this week and, and say that Lincoln's going to, you know, have a dedication to keep it on the ground and maybe take it out of his young quarterback's hand a little bit more, maybe even add Caleb to the running game a little bit. I thought maybe we would see some more of that against Baylor, but I thought that was interesting that, that he admitted that he wished he would have uh, stuck with the run a little bit longer. Did he, did he happen to, elaborate on why he missed stuff last week because i i i think i've connected some dots and i don't know this for sure but on the sideline rattler was wearing a mask mm-hmm. and i think uh record was wearing a mask those guys are always in lincoln's room right that's the quarterback room so i'm wondering if he was ill Right, because you've seen, and this has happened all over the place. You heard Sarkeesian talk about it at Texas. Now it sounds like an excuse, I know, but it seems like the flu is kicking college football teams' ass right now. Like it's just like we've never seen it, which is weird. It's right? weird, right? Yeah, I don't. But I don't know. I, I think there's definitely been guys sick. Um, I think that I think we're still trying to fight through it right now. 
Um, oh no. So I, I don't know if that was a factor for him, but I don't, I would say, I don't think so. I felt like, but Lincoln did not say like what went on there. Um, you know, I, I, I think he just said that, that some of the, uh, like he got out of rhythm a little bit, made some mistakes and it just kind of snowballed on him. But I, I thought the physicality got to him early because there was a couple of times he tried to pull it down and run. And typically he's able to run around people, but you know, he got, he got blasted a couple of times. And I think that kind of stuck with him. And we talked about how good they are in zone coverage. And there's a difference between, you know, running 10 yards open down the field and guys that are good at zone coverage, guys look covered, right? Whenever teams are good at that. So I, I personally think some of that got to him, but he, he did not say. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, hopefully Caleb Williams isn't sick and hopefully Lincoln Riley's not sick and hopefully there's not a lot of players that are sick, but it is weird. Like I've been talking to guys, kind of all around the country and all these teams are having big, like regular flu issues. It's just, it's bizarre, man. All right, let's talk some Iowa state. So the first thing I think is important to touch on. Iowa state is not going to be scared to come to Norman, right? Normally a lot yep. of teams you're going to, they, they walk into that stadium and they're intimidated. This team, even though they're a six and four football team, there's a lot of guys that have had success against Oklahoma on this roster, and they probably view themselves as kind of OU's equal, right? Even though they've had a disappointing year. So I, I think that's important to note. But yeah, I just is this the type of game that it's not it's not going to save Iowa State's season or anything like that if they win it. But, Ted, I think that they have every digit of coming to Norman and winning. Like, this team is going to believe it can win. This team, this will they will play their best football game of the season against Oklahoma. I have zero doubt. I have, I have no doubt about that at all. Um, you know, this team is full of really good football players. They're coached really well. They're tough. They're extremely physical. They're extremely talented. Uh, Brees Hall, Charlie Kohler, amongst other tight ends, and uh, Xavier Hutchinson, are, they're the best one, two, three back tight end wide receiver in the conference whenever you put all those three guys together, that combination. And Purdy ain't bad behind it. Now, he can, he can make some mistakes, but – I think it's a I think it's a good offense. They're going to be geared up for this game. This is it for them. I mean, this is this is what they have left to hang their hat on for a bunch of guys that decided to come back. So I, I fully expect them to to show up ready to play, not scared, not intimidated, ready for I mean, they've already lost four games. Like, okay, so we go out there, we give it our best shot, we let it all out, we lose again. Well, who cares? It's not the end of the world. We've already already lost four. So I think this team is going to come in not tight, not intimidated, and be ready to play their best game. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, and uh, offensively, they want to run the football, right? They want to feed Brees Hall and build the passing game off of the running game. And they're still going to major in two and even sometimes three tight end sets. Their three tight end stuff is not as good as it was last year. Dylan Sainer was the massive tight end they had last year that was kind of at the point of all the blocking schemes. He's not there anymore. And now Chase Allen is doing some of that stuff. He's not as good as Sainer was at doing that stuff. But still, they, they've got two really good tight ends. And the third guy, 43, he's, you know, he's a serviceable guy. He's got a little athleticism to him. Uh, I like some of the things I've seen from him. But, yeah, Hutchinson. Kolar, Hall, as good a trio in the Big 12. There, there's no doubt. Brock Purdy, and he's still just, he, for whatever reason, he just doesn't impress me, Ted. I I know the numbers look good, but I feel he's, like he's, he's been... What this, holds them back? He's Yes, I, I feel like he's been the same player for three years. Yep. Like, he's still making the same mistakes. He's di- still doing some of the dumb stuff in the passing game. Like he still has made a couple decisions this year where you're like, how can that possibly be a four-year starter making that decision? And I just don't know. I don't know how he hasn't gotten better. Now, I will say he's using his legs a little more, especially in these last couple of games. And he's done a nice job with that. But I I just don't know. And I think the weakness of the offense is the offensive line. Uh, I really do. I was expecting to turn on the tape and to see a really physical group moving people off the ball, that's really not what this offensive line is, right? Uh, I think they have a particular weakness, an athlete, a lack of athleticism at the tackle position. And really, their run game, it, it's less blocking people and, and more Brees Hall making people miss. I, be, I, I think Brees Hall is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And the offensive line, from what I've watched, I've watched five of their games now, and I just don't see it. I I just think they are they're getting bailed out by a special player at running back. Honestly. I just I, I think this is one of the one of the worst OU or one of the worst O lines OU's played in the last 
month or two. Yeah. I don't think they're very good. Uh, I, I tend to agree. Now, I will say that what we do with our defensive line is a little bit different than what a lot of other people in this conference do. And I think that Iowa State, with some of their, their run game stuff, uh, it does match up okay. Um, you're right. They're going to get in the multiple tight end stuff and have the full back end. They're going to shift motion, get to unbalanced, get to end over. Uh, but, you know, you're going to see pin pull. You're going to see uh, zone with the tug where that's the guard instead of the tackle on the pin pull. Um, split zone, which we've had some trouble with. And I imagine just like Baylor copied off of Kansas, Iowa State's going to copy off of Baylor and use Brock Purdy some on some of that split action and use him in the running game. And another thing that they do that we have not seen, at least that I can remember, is the two-back, I call it the search play, two-back outside zone. Whenever they motion the the fullback into the backfield and run zone, they'll run split zone with him and then run. Um, I call search because it's like he just blocks the first color that shows up. Um, they'll run some of that, and I think those are some pretty good concepts against what we do. Yeah, uh, some people call that force, right? Hey, you just got the you know the the lead fullback's got the force player. Some people mm-hmm. call it alley, but yeah, it's really whoever shows up first they're out on the edge of the defense so they run concepts that have that have given OU trouble and bottom line the the defensive line for the Sooners has to whoop them up front right that's that's what has to happen and I think I think they're capable of doing that but Brees Hall he's gonna have some runs man he's just he's too talented not to I mean I have been really (laughs) impressed he is a guy who was really, really good last year, and he's gotten better. Mm-hmm. He's better at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's better in pass protection. He's still shifty as all hell with the ball in his hands, runs with power, finishes runs. Like it's a physical back as well as being elusive. Like, man, I I'm sure you can tell. I love Brees Hall. <laughs> like yeah. he is he's awesome. Well, yeah, and Here's here's the thing that worries me. I I think Brees is going to make a couple of plays. There's no doubt. Um, I think we'll probably do an okay job against the run. It's the extended run. The bubble and tunnel to Xavier Hutchinson, who's a big dude, and he kicked our ass with it in the Big 12 Championship. And we've struggled with it at times this year already. We're going to get that early and often. They're, they are going to make us prove that we figured out how to tackle on the perimeter. Well, not only that, I think that's – and I, I had a conversation over the summer uh, with someone that, that's inside that program, and I'm telling you, the guys in that locker room, they think they're tougher than OU's guys. When they run that play, it's going to be like, hey, watch us bully your defensive backs out here on the edge. Yeah. And it's, that's it, that was the same conversation that Baylor had, too. Yeah. It's so, the same, conver- same thing they were saying. So it's, it's up to Oklahoma's 
players out there on the edge to prove them wrong, right? Because that's what they yep. think. I mean, that's that I know that's what they think. So it'll be it'll be interesting. All right, defensively for Iowa State, um, even with John Haycock, uh, that three three five man, it's it's still a bitch, and it's not as it's not as good as it's been in the last couple of years, in my opinion, because I don't think that they are as dominant in the front three. And I know it's weird because you look at you was and McDonald and their numbers sacks TFLs, like they're really productive players. But I think in the past they, they've been a little better against the run. Uh, they've well, kind I'm of not drawing rem- a blank on the kid they had last year. That was great on the edge. Uh, Jaquan Bailey, only one that left, right? Yeah, yeah. But defensively, yeah, he was really good. He big, just big, couldn't big. move him right in yep. the run game. Um, wasn't as dynamic like McDonald is, but that is I, I don't see that as much from from this defensive front. That all being said, man, this is this is still the most complex version of the three three five out there, right? And they're as far as in the back end, they're playing. So they would play a lot of what a lot of people call two robber, two rat, right? Where you got two deep safeties and you got that robber position that's kind of in the middle of the field, ready to just ruin someone's day. They're playing less of that now, Ted, and they're playing more cover five. They're playing more three cloud. And I, I think it's, it's because they're trying to protect protect a couple of weak links there on the back end. So it'll be up to Lincoln and OU's offense to attack those weak links. And I think that Kim Manny King and Daytron Young, Daytron, Daytron Young, I think is his name. I, I think those are two guys that, you know, as I watch them, like they've given up some plays. So if I'm seeing it, you know, you know, OU's coaching staff is seeing it, but, I I think their backer group's pretty damn solid, man. I mean, you look yep, at they're great. But your boy Mike Rose is playing the wrong position. And it makes me sad. <sighs> yes. And, and no. he's hurt. He's hurt. But man, what he does in space over the slot over the number two receiver is excellent. And it totally eliminates a lot of that bubble shit whenever you've got a six foot four and a half, 250 pounder that they, plays out there. They basically have like, and it's not, it's not like a true nickel spot, but they basically have him playing yeah. a nickel Sam position. And the dude is six four two fifty, And he's great in zone coverage. He is really good. He, he reads releases. He understands like where guys are going to run. Like he sees through it all really well. I like what he does out there a lot. Um, that you would like to play him in a position where he's involved more. I like, but for him, like to show that he can do that, that's making him money. You know, to to be able to be out there, and I think it. Like I said, it takes away so much of just the easy little dink and dunk stuff that a lot of teams try and get you on. I, it's hard to do that out there because he's the best tackler on the team, and those receivers just flat out cannot block him. But it would 
it would be nice if we saw him in the middle, you know, just kind of running that defense. Yeah. But I the mean, other, he's... like Vance and, um, oh gosh, why am I drawing a blank on Hummel? Uh, Hummel are they're they're good players too. No, I and I I think that they really they have him playing that Sam Nickel Nickel Sam whatever you want to call it because they want to get their best players on the field, but he's the best Mike backer in the big 12. He's one of the best Mike backers of the country and he's not playing Mike backer. It's weird, right? It's, it's annoying. I remember the first time I was like, where the hell is Rose? Why is that guy? And it's like, Oh, he's over the slot receiver. Interesting. Okay. But he does a dang good job at it, man. He really does. And to be able to stay with, and this is one of the reasons I think they tackle so well is because they stay with three backers out there. You know, and they run now that he will, he runs all over the field. He's in really good shape and he plays with speed too. Yeah. This is, this is a really boring point. I feel like we have to make every time OU plays Iowa State. Wide receiver blocking is crucial against Iowa State's defensive scheme. They spin things with their safeties, the secondary support players. The run fit, it changes almost on a snap-by-snap basis. It's hard. You have to be really in tune to what's going on. If it's a run play, if you're a wide receiver, they have to block really well in this game mm-hmm. because, of, because of the way that Iowa State does things defensively. And, of course, the wide receivers have to block well. But also, as I watch Iowa State's defensive line, I am concerned about OU's offensive tackles in this game because, number one, Will McDonald is as twitchy of a guy as you're going to find in this conference, right? He plays the run decently. He's long. He's explosive. He's got a good get-off. He's got an assortment of pass rush moves. If he's on Tyrese Robinson, I think he could – I think Tyrese could struggle with his quickness a little bit. And same for Anton Harrison, but Anton Harrison's the one I'm worried about because there's two guys that I think Iowa State is going to play right over him pretty much the entire game. One of them is Uwazarike, who is just an absolutely massive human being. And not only is he massive and he can bull and he can bull pull, but he actually, he's got some moves, man. He's got a great rip move. He can go speed to power. Like, we've seen Anton Harrison struggle with Bull Rush, and that dude is a load at he 320 was, pounds. He had that uh, tech tackle on skates, running him straight backpedaling. That's, that's what got me very concerned. And the other guy, Zach Peterson, is just a meathead. Man, I mean, he does one thing and it's tried to bull through the tackle's soul. Like, that's all he's got. That's the it's only like Nebraska's got, D line. Yeah. This is what Nebraska's D line looked like. Yeah. So, big, I, strong dudes. I am concerned. I'm concerned with that. There's I'm no concerned doubt. with we've struggled running the ball against Iowa State. I'm concerned there because this year it's it's been, you know, it's been a struggle against good teams, especially teams that have some good size there and play that three-man front. Like, like we saw from 
from Baylor and from, from Tech. There's, you know, and these backers are good downhill players. They come downhill and they've got good size and technique. But I really worry about, and I know Iowa State's had some problems on the back end. But I worry about interceptions, man, because it's just a different, it looks different. And they're really good at how they play underneath. And I know Caleb Williams is going to walk up there and be like, ha, we got uh, a big, slow linebacker lined up over Mims. That's where I'm going with the football. And it's just, I don't know, man, I'm worried about it. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And you combine that with with some of the pass rush stuff you're talking about. One of the things that, and I know the, the Smith kid from Texas Tech hit him on some stuff, but... One of the things that's good about how they play is when you spread the net defensively in zone, it's hard for a quarterback to scramble and pick up big plays usually because there's so many guys spread across the field. It's not like man-to-man and people are running down the field with their back turned to you. So I don't know. I, I worry about interceptions because they're all of the things that Baylor does except for, except for blitz, which they're still good at some, their pressure packages. But like the coverage stuff, they are similar to Baylor in some things, but they're better at it. They're just better as a team, in my opinion. Right. No. Especially when they play OU. Yeah. That's the big thing. In the back end, I think Aishim Young, who is playing their third safety spot, I think he's really good. Man, I think he's a really talented player. I think he's one of the best defensive backs that OU's played all season long. He's just productive. Um, good in coverage and physical as all hell as a tackler. And it's, I don't think he's going to get ejected for targeting on one of the first <laughs> plays of this one. Now we'll see. Maybe it happens right. again. Maybe, but I will say this you and I, we have, we've been big fans of Greg Eisworth over the last couple of years. He is, he's not the guy he used to be. I, I don't know if he's hurt again or just the injuries have kind of added up too much. He's just not, he doesn't fly around like he used to and misses a lot more tackles than he used to. He doesn't play with the velocity uh, when he's fit in the run. I, I don't know. He just doesn't, he doesn't look like the same guy on tape to me. I agree, but he will Saturday. <laughs> Damn it. Teddy. <laughs> I'm just telling you, man, I've, I've seen this before. He will Saturday. He's like, you know, he's he's been there for 15 years. It feels like he's probably like ready to go do something else. But 
everyone there is thinking NFL. They're thinking draft status. They're thinking scouts watching this film. They're all going to go out there and play their best game of the year. Awesome. Can't wait. <laughs> all right, let's get to call your shot. And we asked you what you thought of OU being number 13 in the college football playoff rankings. And Carl M. Belgrave on Twitter says, OU lost what little favor it had with the committee with Caleb Williams' poor play versus Baylor. After all, the CFB championship is a TV show. The main character and long shot Heisman winner in Williams lost his sign. So not a chance OU gets in the playoff, even if OU wins out. Damn, Carl. I agree with everything right up until the point where he says they've got no shot. They do have a shot. It's an outside shot. You have to have a lot of things happen in your favor. I don't, I don't think they control their own destiny, but I, I still think that I think there's a shot that they can make it with Georgia and Alabama both being in. So I think there's a shot they can make it with Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State all in. You win out. Oregon, Oregon could lose this week against Utah. Okay, they're not, they're not above losing that game. And since he's got SMU, since he's been messing around a little bit here, I think they win that, and I think that they're they're probably going to win out. But this is college football, man. It's college football. I think Stuff like this ha- happens all the time. Yeah, I think Jimmy Shaw is thinking similarly to you, Ted. He says, if they win out, they're almost certainly in. Of course, if they play like last week, none of that matters. But to date, the number of one-loss Power 5 conference champs that have been left out is zero. Yeah, it's true. And the main point there, like we can talk about that stuff all we want and we can find a path and we can we can say what needs to happen here's the point if they play the same as they have or to the level that they have in every other of the 10 games that they've played so far this year like if they don't exceed what they've put out there in these first 10 games not only will they not win out i don't think they win saturday I agree. I I think Iowa State is I think it's a tough matchup for Oklahoma. I think what Iowa State is good at kind of magnifies what Oklahoma is not good at. Agree. Which isn't great. So we'll we'll see, but man, you got it. You got to imagine OU's just going to be a pissed off football team. I yeah. I don't know. Last home hope. game. Hopefully it just gets snowballing on Iowa State and they can't recover. But they've they have bounced back from some big deficits this season. Here's the thing. Like and this is what's weird to me. The Iowa State tech game is almost exactly like the Baylor. TCU game before Baylor played us, right? 
and I know I know Baylor had a better season going than Iowa Damn State, it. but you have a quarterback that goes out and has a, the performance of a lifetime when maybe the team is looking past the next week to play Oklahoma and, you know, they mess around, they come storming back, they have a chance to win it late, but can't get it done. It's almost identical. Yeah. Well, one had a 62 yard field goal, which once crazy, which uh, here's the thing. Worse Iowa state teams have come to Norman and beaten better Oklahoma teams. Yeah, I can't argue with that. So, get ready. Gear up. We got to have their best game, man. It's, there's, there's no other way around it. Fans, listen to us. <laughs> need you. Need you Saturday morning. Need you. Make a difference. Man. We do. We do. You're right. Make a difference in the game. All right. Before we get to our preview with Travis Hines, it's time for birthday shout outs. And of course, just a reminder, Teddy's turning 40. All right, Ted, big 4-0. Let's go. Now, happy fourth birthday to Sloan Massey. Yes, you, Sloan. You and your daddy's the best. He's the coolest guy ever. Happy birthday, Sloan. Ah, to be four. How about that? So awesome. So jealous. Enjoy it, Sloan. Happy 70th birthday to Gordon Payne. Boomer Sooner, Gordon. You're the man. The big, big 7-0. 7-0. Yep. That'll make you feel young, Ted. Oh, yeah. Hey, I feel I like that. More of those, please. Happy 32nd birthday to Megan Kasky. And happy 30th birthday to our man, Todd Calvert. All right, let's get to our interview with Travis Hines. But first, the only place to stop when you're road tripping is Love's Travel Stops. Loves has over 560 locations in 41 states offering 24-hour access to clean and safe places. And Loves has given us a $25 game day gift card giveaway each week. And this is all you have to do to be entered to win this week's gift card. Tweet a picture of you stopping at a Loves on your way to the OU Iowa State game. And make sure you tag the podcast Twitter account and Loves Twitter account. We'll contact you if you are the winner. It's pretty simple. Whatever your road trip needs are, Loves has it. Fuel, fresh food, all the snacks and drinks, including my favorite, Java Amore. That coffee is fantastic. Loves also has you covered if you forget your phone charger or headphones. They've expanded their mobile-to-go zone so you can grab any of that stuff there. Make sure you download the Loves Connect app for exclusive offers from today's most popular brands. The Loves Connect app also includes a route planner and store locator. When you see that red neon heart on the highway, stop in and say hi at Loves Travel Stops. For a full list of what Loves has to offer, visit loves.com. And make sure you bank at First Fidelity Bank. First Fidelity is a full-service financial institution based in Oklahoma with tailored solutions for all your personal and business needs. Checking accounts, saving accounts, home loans, and much more. They do it all, whether it's online banking from your computer or mobile banking from your phone. Everything is stress-free with FFB. Making mobile deposits, paying bills online, and moving money to different accounts could not be easier. First Fidelity Bank also provides free ATMs worldwide, making banking convenient wherever you are. They also give back to the community. FFB donates a total of more than $500,000 to local charities and educational foundations. Make your life easier and go bank at First Fidelity Bank. Visit FFB.com for more information. All right, here's Travis Hines. It is our pleasure to be joined by a man that 
covers Iowa State football as closely as anyone. In fact, he does it for both of the main papers in Iowa, the Des Moines Registered and the Ames Tribune. He is Travis Hines. What's going on, man? Not much. How are you guys? Doing good, man. Ready for this one. It's exciting. Now, it's a little bit different than I thought before the season. I thought that we might have two undefeated teams here, but it's going to be, I still think it's going to be a fantastic game. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I think everybody around here had this game, had November 20th circled since the day that the schedule came out, hoping it'd be two undefeated teams. And certainly, I think, at least in Iowa State's, from their standpoint, things have, I don't know if they've gone off the rails, but they're certainly not in the place that they thought they'd want to be. And you're watching Oklahoma from afar, it seems like it's been a bit of a frustrating ride to get to this point. But I do, to your point, I do think it's still going to be a really competitive game. I think Iowa state's probably better, you know, than their six and four record. They've lost some close games. And I think this is a game that gives them the opportunity to maybe reassert themselves. And, you know, really they're, they're essentially out of the big 12 title race, but if they can win this game, you still have nine wins on the table and wins over Oklahoma and Texas. That doesn't happen at Iowa state very often. I think it speaks more to the expectations coming into this year. Uh, But I think there's still, a lot for Iowa State to achieve, but it starts with Saturday. Okay, Travis, before we talk about the guys on the team, I I thought Matt Campbell said something this week that a lot of people were talking about where he was asked, you know, are you disappointed that you didn't, you know, reach the goal of winning the Big 12 championship? And he said, hey, that's that's not my goal. My goal is for this team and for these guys to basically be the best version of themselves did that play well in Ames and with the fan base? Because it, it was kind of mixed. Like some people are like, what? And then some people are like, yes, that's the type of coach I want. So how how was that kind of interpreted to interpreted by the fan base? You know, when it happened on Tuesday afternoon, you know, I did raise my eyebrow a little bit because I don't know that that would be the perfect answer I think fans would want to hear but it is 100% consistent with everything that Campbell has said going back six years. And certainly this year, I mean, he's right. He has never once said this year, and he's been given plenty of opportunity by the media to say that he wanted to win or that the expectation or the goal was to win a big 12 championship. And the answer has always been to be the best version of ourselves is what he says. And they've really been consistent in saying that for the last two years. But on the other hand, you know, you have to be, you put your head in the sand to believe that the goal and the expectation for everybody in that locker room was not to at least get back to a big 12 championship game and have a chance to win the big 12. And, you know, if you're Campbell, does it make sense to say that? I mean, you can say you're disappointed, but at the same time, you've got two games and a bowl game left to go. If if you just want to say, yeah, we didn't make our goal. do, Do you wonder and worry about a team full of seniors saying, well, maybe we just pack it in and we don't want to finish this out the way we otherwise could. So I don't think it's that big a deal. I get why it's resonated nationally. It seems like today, but it's completely consistent. And again, like this is also a guy in Matt Campbell this summer when asked about Texas and Oklahoma leaving, you know, what's your recruiting pitch now that the big 12 is going to be diminished. And his answer was we win. So obviously the best version of themselves is a real thing that they care about, but they're, they're not dumb. Like they know winning matters. These are the most competitive people in the world. So I don't think it's that big of a deal. I don't know that Campbell did himself any favors by wagging his finger and talking about himself in the third person, especially with, you know, when this goes national, that's not 
probably the most uh, the humble look when you're talking about not winning a Big 12 championship, which certainly comes off as spin if you haven't been hearing Campbell say those things for months and months and months. But, you know, ultimately, I think Iowa State fans have heard that enough and understand enough that, yes, that's what they want to do. But, I mean, we heard from guys after the game on Saturday when they lost to Texas Tech, the players blatantly say, we didn't live up to our expectations. We've missed our goals. And we heard Charlie Kohler from your guys' neck of the woods say on Tuesday, I'm not stupid. I know things have not gone the way that everyone thought. So Campbell said what he said, but I, I don't think it's a – I think it's coach speak, frankly, that if you're not used to hearing Campbell time in and time out, it probably sounds more provocative than it really is for those of us who hear him speak time and time and time again. So how do we arrive here? You know, last year, the way that team has a chance to be throwing it into the end zone to win the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma after already beating them once in the season. They go uh, beat Oregon in a bowl game and, and look really impressive doing it. Uh, preseason top 10, obviously got the big Iowa game there early, but you had so many guys come back. And I say this knowing full well that the team we see Saturday in Norman is going to be, it's going to be the best version of Iowa State. Like They're going to live up to that, <laughs> that unquantifiable goal that uh, Campbell has thrown out there, but uh, how how did this happen? Was it maybe building it up too much? Was there was there too much pressure? How do we end up? Is this is not a six and four football team? They're just not. They're way better I, than that. I think there's a couple of factors. I mean, I think one is it's a lesson that no matter how many guys you bring back, it's still a new team every year. And I think whatever magic they captured last year, whether it was because. I mean, remember last year how insulated every program was because of the COVID protocols. You know, they were really essentially not interacting with people other than themselves for months and months and months. And I think the way that that locker room worked that was conducive to seeing its best football out on the field on Saturdays, and they never really had any COVID outbreaks. So, I mean, late in the year last year, they were going against the Kansas State team that we didn't even know if they'd be able to play because they had so many COVID cases whereas Iowa State was pretty healthy throughout the year. So I think they had a lot going for them in that respect. And then they won a bunch of close games last year. This year, they lose to Baylor, have a two-point conversion chance, uh, you know, as the game is ending. They go to West Virginia. They have the ball with four seconds to go with within shouting distance of the end zone to win the game. And then Texas Tech last weekend, they lose on a 62-yard field goal, which is the longest field goal ever in a Big 12 game as time expires. So I think some of it is the flip of the coin stuff. And then some of it is, I think they've struggled to recapture whatever it factor they had last year, because those, those three games they lost were close. They, they have a chance to win it, but they were terrible in the first 20 minutes of all three of those games. Baylor goes out and scores on its first, I think three or four possessions of the game. West Virginia scores on its first three possessions of the game. And then Texas tech last week does the exact same thing. They're, they find themselves themselves on the whole, in a hole early in these games in the big 12, because for whatever reason, the defense is not playing at the level that we've seen it play at and the offense can't keep pace. So they've done a lot of this to themselves. And then some of it is in frankly, the luck of the draw on those, those late games where sometimes you make a play and sometimes the other team makes a play. Uh, looking at the offense, Travis, how do you think Brock Purdy, has performed this season because um, had high expectations coming in, certainly has 
some weapons at his disposal. Just, I, I know the numbers look pretty good, but do do you think he is? He's been a big difference maker for this team. You know, it's. I think it's probably a nuanced answer in that he was definitely shaky early. I mean, remember he got benched in the Iowa game. You're talking about a fourth year senior that literally owns just about every single record in Iowa state history, getting benched in the biggest rivalry of game of the year in week two. Like that was definitely a low point struggled early against Baylor. And then from the Baylor game until last week goes 159 passes without an interception does not light it up from a yardage standpoint, but doesn't throw a pick and really becomes a game manager. And when you look at when Iowa state's at its best, it's defense is shutting down the offense and you've got Brees Hall, who is an All-American running back. You've got Charlie Kohler, who's an All-American tight end. You've got Xavier Hutchinson, who, in my opinion, is probably an All-American in the All-American conversation as a wide receiver. And you have Campbell, frankly, who is a pretty conservative coach. They're not trying to go out and swing the ball. They're trying to go out ball control, clock management, keep the defense off the field. And so I don't think they're asking him to do much. I think the game plan is to not go win the game with Brock Purdy. It's allow him to get the ball to playmakers, to get the ball to decision or uh, to difference makers and don't overextend yourself. Cause we've seen Brock Purdy when he overextends himself, that usually means really risky play that comes back to haunt Iowa state. You know, the three interceptions last year against Baylor. I don't know if you guys remember that, just the one of the most bizarre football plays I've ever seen last year, where he threw it backwards in the TCU game. Yeah, which, oh, I mean, like Travis, it is yakety impossible. Sacks. It is impossible yeah. to forget that play. Yeah, you shouldn't <laughs> have been playing yakety sacks over, like over that highlight over and over. So I mean, I think what they want for him is to really be within himself. So when you say is he made a huge impact, I say yes in that he's facilitated the game plan to a high degree. Now, has he gone out and been an All-American quarterback? I mean, I'm, this is a guy after a sophomore year. I remember we are talking about, is this a potential first-round draft pick? Is this a Heisman Trophy candidate? He is obviously neither of those things, but he's been a really effective college quarterback, Big 12 quarterback, with still does have some tendencies, like we saw against Texas Tech, to turn the ball over when he's playing a version less than his best. I, I imagine statistically he's probably going to go down as leading in most every category uh, quarterback, right, at Iowa State? I mean – Oh, yeah, he came into the year all-time winning as quarterback, most touchdowns, you know, highest efficiency rate. I mean, he's without a doubt statistically the best quarterback this program has ever seen. And obviously no one expects him to come back, but if he wanted to, he could put those records out of reach forever with a fifth-year COVID year. Um, but yeah, he'll he will be hard to top. You know, there'll be discussions, you know, is it Seneca Wallace who had an abbreviated career at Iowa State and was obviously super dynamic. Sage Rosenfels went on to 10 plus year uh, NFL career, but the record book is going to say Brock Purdy is the best quarterback that's ever played in Ames, Iowa. The, um, I, I, the interesting thing about him is like the tech game. There's, you know, one series he he hits a, a defensive player right in the face mask, essentially with the football for an interception on a crossing route. And I think it's the very next series. He scrambles out to his right and throws an unbelievable ball to Xavier Hutchinson, you know, over the top of one defender in front of the safety right there on the sideline. 
I mean, has that, that's kind of what you're talking about, right? There's been that frustration with him. And it, do you think that against Oklahoma, there's going to be like a sit down and look at what teams have done and look at last year's game, you know, last year's game, whenever you guys beat us, that's exactly what happened. Like that, that formula you're talking about, Brees Hall had a great night. They just maintained possession and, you know, he hit on some plays, but basically it was kind of throwing it up to Charlie Kolar a couple of times, but he wasn't the main factor in that game. No, I think if Brock Purdy is the star from a statistical standpoint, that's usually not a great sign for Iowa State's offense. I went back and looked last week that when he completes 70% or more of his passes, they're 16 and one in four years. When he completes less than 70%, you know, counting last week, I think they're like 13 and 15 or 13 and 16. If he is, and obviously, like it makes sense, completing passes is better than incomplete passes, but Usually that means they're not really stretching throws. the field. Yeah, yeah. Conservative. He doesn't have great arm strength. You know, when he throws it down the field, you know, if it's a coin flip, that's probably pretty good odds for him. You know, you mentioned Charlie Kohler. I mean, he went absolutely nuts in that tech game where if the ball was anywhere in his catch radius, he was bringing it down. And I think that's the guy that, that Purdy really relies on, but really they want to be conservative in that offense. Purdy's really accurate, you know, in that short to intermediate game. They can feed Brees Hall, even if it's in the short passing game. That's what they want to do. When they get extended or have to, to take shots downfield, I think that's really not where they feel they're most comfortable and most effective. There, there's no doubt that w- with Hutchinson and, and Brees Hall and Charlie Charlie Kolar that they've got weapons offensively. But the offensive line, when I watch them, I – I am not seeing what I expected from that group because, you know, when I talked to Campbell and I remember it vividly at Big 12 Media Day, he was talking about, hey, this is the best offensive line we've had. You know, we've got depth. We've got talent. Like, I, I've, he felt great about it. Has, has that group underperformed this season? Yeah, I think so. And I think part of it, too, is this still might be their best offensive line. That has been the position group that has lagged the most. I mean, you look defensively, all big 12 players, all Americans, same thing at the skill position offensively where the offensive line has, I think some interesting pieces and they certainly have depth, but that they have lagged behind in terms of their production and growth more than any other position group in Campbell's six years. You know, are they bad this year? No, I don't think so. But when you're a top 10 team and you have the weapons that they have, you've got to be better than average. And I think this, that group has kind of gone up and down and I don't know that I would grade them much higher than average. I mean, they really got in a lot of trouble last week against Texas tech. Yes. Teams are loading the box, but they've had all spring and summer and fall to get ready for that. And I think they just have not been able to, they have not been a imposing force up front. And I think if you're not getting that from your offensive line, obviously it makes everything harder across the board. You know, one of the shocking things for me was that whenever you look at the Big 12 statistics in just conference games, which is really a better way to look at it because we're talking about we're all playing the same exact teams here, Mm -hmm. uh, Iowa State's offense is really good. They're the number one total offense in the Big 12 in seven conference games and that was pretty shocking to me um defensively 
They're not. They're down. They're number four whenever you look at scoring defense, and they're two in total defense, but you know, they're a hundred yards behind Oklahoma State. And that's kind of at least from my view of the football team been been the strength of this team over the last couple of years. Is that still the case? You know, I, I know they've they've fallen off some, but there's been other good performances in there. Like what's what's the conversation about the defense? Yeah, it is not the case to the degree that we've become accustomed to seeing where that really the defense was going to give them an opportunity to win just about every game that they were in. The defense has still been good this year, but it has needed more from the offense. And really those three road losses, they were really bad early against Baylor. And at that point, nobody quite knew what Baylor was. I think we've figured out that that's a really good football team they have in Waco, but you look at West Virginia passed it all over them in the first half, scored 38 points in, in that win. And then last week, Texas tech, you know, have has a coaching change and has been under 500 in the league and threw it all over them, ran it all over them early in that game. They figured it out in all three of those games. The defense got better as the game went on. And obviously some of that is probably more conservative offenses playing with a lead, but the how badly they've gotten beaten early in games is really kind of jarring because you've, you've seen them historically struggle to get off to quick starts defensively, but usually that's one series or two series. Now we're seeing it really last entire halves before they can figure it out. And that has been a huge departure from where they've been. And, and it's definitely worth noting that, you know, going back to the West Virginia games, so that's the last three games, Mike Rose, their All-American linebacker, the reigning Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, missed the West Virginia game and has been really limited. I think he's only playing about half the defensive snaps, which makes a big difference. You know, Is that why they're struggling the last three weeks? It's not the whole reason. There's more talent and accountability on that side of the ball. But you would obviously be you know, kidding yourself if you thought not playing your best defensive player every snap of the game wasn't going to make a big difference. Yeah, and and Rose is fantastic. They're also playing him out of position, in my opinion. Uh, with they're playing him in this Sam Backer role where he's out of the box a lot, and man, I, he's the best Mike Backer around. And, and I, I know that they're trying to get their best players on the field. I understand it. They want to get Hummel. They want to get Vance on the field. But man, it it frustrates me watching him play play out of position. Travis, oh, along that defensive line, right? Will McDonald, clearly the standout uh, with, with the sack numbers. He's racking up again. But, man, you was a Rike. He looks good, man. He's all over the place this season. Yeah, and he was a Rike has been the anchor of that defensive line now for a number of years. And certainly Will McDonald, deserves every accolade and all the attention that he can get because he is an absolute monster. But Uazarike plays that nose tackle. He goes outside and plays in, and they can really move him around without missing a beat. And he has been just fantastic. I mean, he has been had, – he had a great year last year, comes back for the extra year this year, and I think has really helped himself, you know, projecting to the next level where I think he'll get a real shot because he is – He's got the size, he's got the strength, he's got the technique, and I think this year he's really showing his versatility and his production. What's What are those guys saying about the Oklahoma game? You know, because you, one of the things that 
I think maybe we fall victim to it, not victim to it, but we allow this to be an issue is sometimes Oklahoma expects to walk into a stadium and have people kind of lay down for them, right? A little bit of fight early, but know your role. We're going to win this football game. And Iowa State doesn't have that. Like They've played them so tight. They've beaten them a couple of times. They've had opportunities to win games. What, two years ago, the two-point conversion and then had a chance in the Big 12 championship. What What are those guys saying about this game this time? Is it like you know, Big 12 championship's gone, right? That's not going to happen. College football playoffs gone. Is this it? Is this, is this the Super Bowl? Or are they, are they even acknowledging that? They haven't, but I think – you know, the last time we talked to them was Tuesday. And I think there was a still was almost a funeral vibe for the season, frankly, like people still trying to get their heads around how you get to the middle of the November and the goals that you had have have evaporated. So there was there was more discussion on the big picture than about Oklahoma specifically. But I think if you look at what Iowa State has done now in year six under Campbell, and this goes back to his you know, be the best version of yourself you can be answered from earlier. They really have done an exemplary job of not riding highs and lows. They're very even keel. When they have gotten really good wins, usually the next week they go out and play well. When they have a disappointing loss, the next week they come out and play well. And to your point, I think they do recognize that Oklahoma has been the class of this league, you know, what now, six in a row, and that this game means something. You go back to 2017 where they win in Oklahoma with a third string quarterback for the first time since 1960, I want to say, if I can recall correctly. And really ever since then, this has been, I think the 2018 game was not super competitive, but other than that, they've been fantastic games. You know, the game down there, you mentioned the two point conversion, Iowa state wins here last year, the big 12 championship game was an awesome game. I think they look at this as a real measuring stick for where they are as a program. And like I mentioned earlier, while the big 12 championship game is probably off the table, there's a big difference in a disappointing season. That's seven and five or six and six is what they're looking at. Or if you're eight and four at the end of the regular season, where you've beaten a top 15 Oklahoma, where you've beaten Texas, where you've beaten Oklahoma state, who still might get to the college football playoff. That's still a disappointing season relative to the expectations, but like, that's a, that's a pretty good college football season for most big 12 programs. And certainly an Iowa state program that five years ago, getting to six and six, you know, was caused to shoot confetti at Jack Tri stadium because it happened so rarely. It's, it is crazy how, how Campbell has changed the expectations there. Uh, I mean, I, I still remember it as a player when Iowa State rolled around. I was like, "Oh, thank God, Iowa Off State week!" week. <laughs> and now it's and now people like they got the possibility to go eight and four. And people are pissed. It's he's done. He's done such a tremendous job. All right, Travis. Before we let you go, man, how, how can the Cyclones get this done? Right? Uh, how do you think? You know what has to happen in your mind for Iowa State to go to Norman and get a win? Yeah, I mean. I know it's cliche, but they got to get Brees Hall going. I mean, he averaged less than three yards a carry last week at Texas Tech, and it absolutely discombobulated that offense. They figured it out a little bit late going to the two-minute, but I don't think you're going to be able to do that to the nearly the same degree of success against Oklahoma and the athletes that they have there. And I think 
beyond that, the number one thing that would concern me if I'm an Iowa State fan or if I'm Matt Campbell is the passing game. You know, I know it's kind of crazy to hear all the quarterback controversy in Norman, and then you go look at the stats, and Oklahoma's number one in every passing category. And Iowa State has overall been good against the pass, but when they've gotten beat, it's been over the top. It's been beating the safeties deep. And if Oklahoma's able to do that, if they're able to get single coverage on Iowa State safeties, I, I think you could, whichever quarterback it is could be in for a big day for the Sooners. So if Iowa State's able to corral that, whether it's, you know, disguising coverages or getting to the quarterback with Will McDonald and any Wazarike and some of the other guys that they have there, they're able to do that. I think they got a chance. If, if Williams or Rattler can sit back there and pick apart that secondary over the top, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. All right, man. You're the man. As always, we appreciate the time. You coming to Norman? I'll be there. Oh, we'll see you up there. Big guy. Thanks again, man. Yeah. I appreciate it, fellas. We'll see you this weekend. All right, let's get to the National College Football Roundup. But first, do you own a business? If you do, you need Insurica in your life. Insurica is one of the country's largest insurance brokers with 30 offices throughout Oklahoma, Texas, and the Southwest. Insurica is able to customize programs by accessing the latest information from many insurance carriers. They compare and contrast coverage offerings and pricing in order to design a cost-effective, comprehensive program to meet your business's specific needs. Insurica's clients become best-in-class businesses by working with Insurica's team of advisors to manage risk. Purchasing insurance is only one way to protect your business. Best-in-class businesses win by avoiding a loss in the first place. If your business partners with Insurica, you'll save huge amounts of money and take back control of your total cost of risk. I'm an Insurica client, and you should be too. If your business wants to be best in class, connect with Insurica at Insurica.com. That's I-N-S-U-R-I-C-A.com. Guys, fall is here, but does the weather really matter? It's always hard seltzer season, and there's only one hard seltzer that we drink on this podcast, and that is Sonic Hard Seltzer from Coop Works. It's perfect for any occasion. We drink it in the hot tub, by the fire, and at the tailgate. You can buy 12 packs of the iconic Sonic drive-in flavors like Cherry Limeade and Ocean Water, or you can grab a citrus variety pack or a tropical variety pack. Find it at your local grocery, convenience, and liquor stores. All right, let's start with Oklahoma State. Number nine, Oklahoma State going to Lubbock to take on Texas Tech. The Cowboys are a 10-point favorite currently. Now, Ted, never easy to go play in Lubbock, uh, certainly at 7 p.m. That is going to be a lubed-up crowd there at AT AT&T Jones Stadium. But Texas Tech coming off a nice win over Iowa State where Donovan Smith essentially looked like Vince Young. Looked good. Made some great throws. We we both have watched it. He looked fantastic. Uh, He was slinging it all over the place was using his legs in the run game as a scrambler. Like, he was he was awesome in that game. And you look at what Texas Tech did defensively against Iowa State last weekend. They held Brees Hall to 51 yards rushing in that game. 51. So, can they bottle up Jalen Warren in this Oklahoma State running game? And can they really put pressure on Spencer Sanders to make some big-time throws I don't think the Red Raiders can get that done, but I do think 
Oklahoma State's going to get after Donovan Smith a little bit. I, I think they're going to be able to force him into some mistakes. I I trust that Oklahoma State defense a ton, and I think that that defense is going to travel to Lubbock. I like the Cowboys in this game, and do you think, is there any chance they may find themselves in a close game with Bedlam Lumen next weekend? Well, there's always a chance in college football, but I am thinking the Cowboys are going to absolutely curb stomp the Red Raiders. I I think that Tech, Donovan Smith, he had his Chandler Morris game, right? He he went out there, he ran around like crazy. He made some unbelievable throws. Tech had, I mean, you have to give them credit, but like, Horrible turnovers, horrible field position by Iowa State. They look up, and that game's 28-7 in the first half, and it's like what has what had happened uh, it just all, all unfolded so quickly. Oklahoma State, watching what – I mean, that gets your attention whenever you have a player that goes out there and runs all over Iowa State's defense uh, and throws the way that Donovan Smith did. Um, I think Oklahoma State's going to be ready. I've been talking about this a couple of weeks. That defense all of a sudden is really not all of a sudden. It's been happening for a while now. They are taking serious pride in every yard, every first down, every point. And whenever that starts to happen, you're going to get good play week in, week out. I think Oklahoma State is, I think right now, it's pretty clear that they're the best team in the Big 12. And if their offense stays efficient, it may be by a pretty big margin. I expect them to go down there and just absolutely handle business. No, I'm, I'm with you. And it just feels, it feels like a team that's got a ton of veteran leadership, right? Have you seen how old that defense is? It's crazy. It's just like, crazy. they got grown ass men on that defense, like 23, 24 year old dudes. And I just think, They've got the maturity to go into what is going to be a hostile environment and win comfortably. And with the, with the way that Spencer Sanders has played, with how well he is taking care of the football, I, I don't know if I trust him on the road in this situation, but I no longer am looking at this game going, hmm, Spencer Sanders is probably going to blow this for him. I, 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 think, I think he's moved past that point. Well, yeah, and I think he's found his role. You know, we talked about it. He's found his role in that offense and knowing like what that team's formula is whenever he stays within that role, he plays really good. Um, I, I think that Oklahoma State's going to be able to, to continue to do what they do, run the absolute mess out of the football over and over and over, and it's going to end up opening up some other things. I just I feel like Texas Tech has hit this point. What are they, six and four now? And it's like, okay, it, we made it. We're good. We got six wins. Um, it, it's it's a good spot to be in for them. I just think I, they've got a freight train coming to town in Oklahoma State. I'm I'm with you, but I will say that that defensive line of theirs, it's it's not bad. Stout. I, I like the Hutchings kid. 90 at defensive end, boy, he was, uh, he gave Iowa State all kinds of problems. So it'll be interesting. I, 
I could see that being one where, okay, Texas Tech jumps out quickly and then Oklahoma State kind of chips back and wins comfortably. We're like, we're all paying attention in the first quarter and mid second quarter. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah, this thing is, this thing is settled down. But Tech won't score more than 10 on the starters. I can't argue with that. Dude, the only thing that makes me say they might do it is the way that Donovan Smith played against Iowa State. Like some of those throws were, I mean, they were amazing. I know. It was, I, I, here's the thing though. Like, honestly, Tech, I know they fired their coach this year. I think they made a great hire in Joey McGuire. And as long as he keep Donovan Smith there, they got something now at quarterback because I think that kid's going to be a really good player. Devin Drew is the uh, defensive lineman I was talking about, number 90. He didn't play against OU, or at least I don't remember him against OU, but it'll be a name to remember in this one. We'll we'll see, but I'm with you. I think Oklahoma State, uh, they walk out of Lubbock with a nice win, and, and that defense continues to impress. Okay, probably the game of the weekend. Number seven, Michigan State. It's not probably. It is the game of the weekend. Michigan State at number four, Ohio State. Ohio State is currently a 19-point favorite. Number seven versus number four, and it's a 19-point spread. And this is a massive game uh, for a lot of reasons, but certainly for the Big Ten standings, Ohio State's offense is rolling. And although Michigan State has had quite a bit of success getting the quarterbacks this season with that defensive front, Man, I just can't imagine that C.J. Stroud and that wide receiver core don't get after Michigan State's defensive backs. I, I think that is undoubtedly the weakness of their defense. And you look at Ohio State, I I think they're going to win this game. There's no doubt. But if Michigan State wants to have a chance, I think they got to play a little keep away. Man, I, I think they have to do what we've seen teams do, you know, earlier in the year to Oklahoma, you know, make this a low possession game by running the ball really well with Kenneth Walker the third. And that's what they want to do anyways. But if Peyton Thorne can extend some drives, you know, get some first downs with his legs and also of course with throwing the football, but now that's a tough task. I, I don't know if this is going to be a blowout, but for whatever reason, I think this is going to be a pretty good game. I think people are kind of selling Michigan state short and Ohio state's defense has gotten better. They've gotten less predictable, but it just hasn't been like some juggernaut. So I think Michigan state may be able to run it a little bit. And and I know Ohio state's got an extremely talented defensive front, but if Michigan state can pull off the ball control strategy, Ted, I, I think this one could be interesting. Well, we saw I, I like State. Ohio State, but yeah, I do too. But you know, we saw Penn State move the football quite a bit and run the football on Ohio State. I, I think Michigan State's got an elite running back. That's that's clear. Um, you know, the one thing that you can't really account for is whenever a team is on a mission, right? And it just Michigan State has that feeling whenever you come in. And you get such a quick flip. Um, what they were two and five last year in year one, but it's like he's got a tiger by the tail there right now. And you just they're going to play above 
like their their threshold against teams like Ohio State. I mean, I know they're going on the road, and that's going to be a difficult environment. I think it's going to, going to be a super close football game going into the fourth quarter. They may even have a lead going into the fourth. Yeah, and Mel Tucker's got, what, 95 million reasons uh, to, to get his team ready to play. Could you believe that? You when get saw that it? thing signed before the football game, right? Get it signed before Ohio State. I thought that, you know, one of the things I had heard about Michigan State is like, okay, maybe the uh, the facilities, the football facilities needed a little bit of a facelift. It's all going to the coach. <laughs> so I guess I guess you can thank LSU for that, Mel Tucker. Yeah, there's some there's some swelling contracts around the country right now because of LSU. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, some some happy coaches and some happy agents, no doubt. All right, last game. Number three, Oregon at number 23, Utah. Utah is favored by three currently. And when you when you look at these teams, Ted, I mean, they are really similar statistically, offensively and defensively. And, you know, Oregon's going to have the best player on the field, right, with Kayvon Thibodeau. But you, you just have to assume that, Utah's offense is going to have a plan for him so that he can't just absolutely wreck the game. But both of these teams, they want to run the football, right? Oregon with Travis Dye and Anthony Brown, right, with what he can do with his legs at the quarterback position. Utah's Tavion Thomas. Now he missed their last game. Sounds like he's going to be perfectly fine for this one. And I think he's one of the better running backs in college football that people don't know about. TJ Pledger, hopefully, going to get some yep. run. Uh, had a great game for him last week. So, He's going to get some touches, but this game, I think it could come down to how well Utah can protect Cam Rising, right? Cameron Rising is a name that a lot of OU fans will oh, recognize, yeah. and he's playing well for Utah ever since he took over a quarterback, and, and when he has had time to throw, this guy's been slinging it. Man, he is, he's looked really good when he's been protected in the pocket. So we'll see if that Oregon defense that has been good at first forcing turnovers all year is able to do that. But in a game like this, Ted, everything matters. And have you seen the jerseys Utah is rocking for this game? Yeah, yeah, that's sweet uniform. The helmets, you see the airbrushed helmets. Did, you, uh, did, did the guy do all of them individually? Yeah, him and his wife. Does them all by hand with, a, with one of those little uh, airbrushes. Uh, for impressive. those of you that for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, that is that they are wearing uniforms commemorating the USS Salt Lake City, which is a World War II heavy cruiser. Pretty cool. No, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, Utah's coming along, and if Oklahoma fans, you need you need Utah to win this thing. If if you still want to fight for the college football playoff we're pulling for utah here right no there's there's no doubt but you look at utah devin lloyd is the linebacker i'm sure you love like he's one oh, of yeah. the best backers in the country but man i just don't get it i think oregon oregon's the better team uh, i know that everyone's on utah and a lot of people think that Utah's going to con control the game at the line of scrimmage but give give me the ducks which isn't great for ou but Give me the ducks. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And 
Oregon's been been pretty good on the line of scrimmage, both sides of the ball, honestly. Defensive line obviously anchored by Dibido, but the the offensive line and like their H back positions, they do a really good block good job blocking in their running game. Plus, they have that added dimension of the quarterback run game. I like Oregon. Oregon is they've taken kind of a I don't know, Big Ten, really kind of Big Twelve now type of approach out to the Pac twelve and kind of a heavier personnel running game and it's been a lot of fun to watch yeah that should be a good game i'm expecting it to be a really good one what time is that is that a night night kick you know what i will google it real quick hold on i've got i'm pulling up this is this is what truly elite podcasting sounds like and (laughs) it is i i assume it's a night game it is 6 30 p.m central on abc all right. So prime time nice. ABC. Yeah, that'll yep. be a fun one. Let's wet the beak. But first, concussions are a part of football, but they don't have to be a part of your pool party. Nip the slip with Soft Rocks rubber safety surfacing and spend more time enjoying your outdoor parties and less time worrying about a slip and fall on your pool deck. Soft Rock of OKC specializes in customized slip resistant decorative rubber surfacing. For your pool decks, patios, walkways, and gym floors. Local business owners Heidi and Cody Clark at Softrock of OKC are ready to help you prevent that next slip. Visit softrock.com slash OKC. That's S-O-F-T-R-O-C dot com slash OKC for more information. The Clarks also own the Driveway Company. The Driveway Company has tailored solutions to eliminate all of your driveway problems. They can repair cracks clean and seal your rotting grass field joints to prevent water damage, ultimately saving you thousands of dollars in future repairs. Visit thedrivewaycompany.com slash OKC for all of your driveway repair needs. Learn more about Softrock and the Driveway Company by visiting their Facebook and Instagram pages or by calling 405-294-9834. And make sure you send your kids to Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School. Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School has a long tradition of educational excellence with a 12 to 1 student to teacher ratio. No student is overlooked. Bishop McGinnis's college prep curriculum offers 22 AP courses. There are numerous clubs and organizations for students to join and is a proud member of the OSSAA. There are 14 sports offered. If you want to provide the best possible educational and spiritual development for your children, Contact Bishop McGinnis Catholic High School or visit bmchs.org. Remember, financial aid is available. All right, let's wet the beak. Big game Sunday. I I think that a lot of people that listen to this are excited for this one, Ted. The Dallas Cowboys travel to Kansas City to take on the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are currently a a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And the Cowboys are coming off a beatdown. I mean, an absolute beatdown of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Chiefs destroyed the Raiders. My, Ted, my prediction for this game is that points will be scored. Oh, yeah. Points oh, yeah. will be scored. And you talk about a game with offensive star power. I mean, oh, my gosh. This is this is what you want if you love offensive football. And this should be fun. And sounds like the Chiefs may have Clyde Edwards Hilaire back for this one. Sounds like the Cowboys may have Tyron Smith back at left tackle for him. But man, I guess the question is have the Chiefs figured it out, right? Has has Mahomes 
got his mojo back because there there's absolutely no doubt that the Dallas Cowboys have been a much more consistent team this season offensively and defensively when compared to the Chiefs but did Mahomes did, did he find the magic last week like are are we going to see the Chiefs offense we're used to seeing we're going to see him be the guy that you know everyone has grown accustomed to him being because he's he's had his struggles this year so you know Dak is going to play well right he's been awesome but Mahomes is the wild card in this one man yeah I you know I personally think that games that are played the way I think this one is going to be high scoring up and down the field I think Mahomes is way more comfortable in those type of games where like you can afford to take some risk that maybe each tiny little mistake isn't is um, isn't as big in the overall aspect of the game. Uh, but I think the Cowboys beat them. And I think that, you know, there's a chance that even though it's going to be high scoring, I think on both sides that the Cowboys may win it handily. I, they are, they're in a zone right now. They got star power. They're getting a, a lot of really good play on both sides of the ball and the Cowboys, as long as it's in the regular season, they're fantastic. It's the playoffs where they stink whenever the games actually mean something, survive in advance. Like They're going to go up there because I know how Dallas Cowboys fans, they are right now. There's a lot of excitement building up. They go up there, they're going to beat Kansas City, and people are going to say, it's our year, man. Here we go. This is it. We got the team. And I hate it, but it's going to be, I hate it for them, the fans, but it's going to be disappointment in the playoffs. But they're going to win. They're going to cover the two and a half. Ooh. You know or, what? I'll take I guess the they're Chiefs. getting two and a half. Sorry. Yeah, they're getting, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, you might, might as well take the Dallas money line at that mm -hmm. point. But I, I feel like it could come down to what secondary makes some plays, right? And, you know, when you're talking about secondaries, what one of them has Trayvon Diggs, the other does not. What's he got? Like eight interceptions? Magnet <laughs> hands, man. Crazy. Just, but I don't know. Maybe it'll be Tyron Matthew that makes a play to change the game. But for whatever reason, this just feels like one of those games in the NFL season where the Chiefs put it all together and we all freak out about it. And then people start wondering, like, hey, are the Cowboys good enough to win it all? And then it just becomes a huge ordeal. I think the Chiefs winning is what is best for NFL content. And sometimes I feel like the content gods dictate who wins these games. So <laughs> it's like it's all just a big WWE uh, situation going on, right? Yeah, basically. But I will say this, and uh, I read this earlier. So Mahomes is a Texas kid, right? I think mm -hmm. he grew up in Tyler and clearly went to Tech. Grew up a big Dallas Cowboys fan. And this okay. is the first time he's played the Cowboys. Which I find hard to believe. Yeah. But I'm pretty well, sure that's what I read. Yeah. I guess he's still fairly young, man. He hadn't he hadn't been there that long. And but yeah, it it is hard to believe. That'll make it fun. That'll make it interesting. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a great game, though. Like it's a fantasy dream. I think this this game is going to be up and down the field. There's probably going to be some turnovers. Um, I think I think Mahomes definitely throws a pick. Is it going to be to Diggs? 
Not sure, but definitely going to be an interception in there. Definitely going to be a horrible TikTok from his brother pregame. Probably a, a Twitter thread cursing fans out from his wife. It's going to be, there's going to be all kinds of drama going on. <laughs> well, <laughs> I still think the Chiefs are going to win for whatever reason. Yep. I thought, come on, Chiefs. Come on, Belldozer. Let's go. That Snap the ball to Blake some more. Let's go, Chiefs. Come on. All right. Let's finish up with our winners and losers of the week. Ted, as always, kick us off. Who do you have as your winner of the week? Well, I thought about going with the uh, Kentucky basketball twice. In one week, back-to-back home games, half-court shots for $10,000. It's one of my favorite things to watch, right? It's it's exhilarating. And, hey, they've hit it. People have hit it twice at the Thunder Games this year already. Wow. When there was like a multiple-year drought of no one hitting it. And, yeah, there's been two hit. Now, I saw one, and this has been a little while ago, but... Did you see the one where the, I think it may have been like a foreign student at a, I don't even know what, what small college it was, but you had to hit a free throw or a layup, a free throw, a three pointer and a half court shot in like 30 seconds for $10,000. He trained all of them. It's crazy. Did you see that? Yeah. And, and uh, I saw, I saw the video you're talking about and like the half court heave is like right at the buzzer. Yeah. And he, I think maybe it goes off the backboard and that place just loses it. That was awesome to see. But uh, that's what I thought about going with. But I had to go with Odell Beckham Jr. Because, you know, his his first game out in L.A., uh, there for a little bit, people are talking about, gosh, is there a curse with Odell? And no matter where he goes, that quarterback is doomed. Uh, but quickly, people moved on from that whenever we found out that Stafford's wife threw a pretzel at a fan during the game and it took all the pressure off Odell. Like everyone's talking about pretzel gate now, instead of Odell killing quarterbacks careers. Nice. Now I have, I've been around Stafford's wife and she was a very kind woman to me. So now you got me wondering what happened to have the pretzel be thrown. I think it was an exchange where someone was saying something about her husband. Obviously, it's a tough spot to be in for these for these girls when you're out there in the in the in the stands and you want to take up for your husband or boyfriend. And people are people say some bad things in the stands, uh, especially in the NFL game. So I can imagine some anger boiling over. But Odell Beckham skated on that one, man. That was nice. Yeah. I- People, number one thing they should have been making fun of him for were those black sleeves. What the hell was he thinking? Those looked awful. What was yeah. that? Don't know. Just a bad fashion choice by Odell. Mm. I I thought the Rams, before the Odell thing, before the Von Miller thing, I thought the Rams were going to be in the Super Bowl, have a chance to win it, have a really good chance to win it. Is it – am I a bad person – this thing is entertainment to me, okay? It's entertainment to everyone. But am I a bad person for like almost wanting there to be a curse following Odell Beckham Jr. around? It is fun to talk about, right? Yeah. I mean, it's to like the OBJ curse. That's a cool, that's a cool thing. We can roll with that. Yeah. yeah. I I don't like when 
guys get rewarded large sums of money for being problems, for being hurt, for dropping passes. Like, I, I don't like that. I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of that, but I hate to bring down the whole Rams football team because of, because of my, uh, my thoughts about that, but, um, no, pretty good. Best completion of the night, the pretzel to the fan from Kelly Stafford. Pretty nice. Good. All right. Who do you have as your loser of the week? I got to go with LSU. Now, here's the thing. And maybe Lincoln ends up going to LSU, okay? Maybe they do. I, or maybe he does. I don't think so. But when you offer $100 million to someone over eight years, $12.5 million a year, and they say, ah, man, that's that's a good offer. I appreciate that, but man, I, you know, I think I'm good. I think I'm good. That stings. That's like getting down on the knee at the football game on the jumbotron and getting straight up turned down, isn't it? Like well, that's those that's people kind of deserve it. Like, let's be creative, guys. Come on. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Some but guy that proposed that exact way just heard that and was like, What what? Well, wait, come on, guys. It was it was fun. It was well, I'll we'll say this. Remember. Proposing at a sporting event is only okay if at some point in time your future wife, husband, whatever, however you roll, tells you at some point in time that that is how they want to be proposed to. That is the only right. time when it is okay, when it has been established that that is what they want. And you can't just like pull it out of nowhere. Like you guys had to have had the conversation a little. Like y- you have to know that without a doubt, it's a yes, right? Come on, you can't go in there just winging it, no, and throwing it on her at, at the time. No, but uh, but yeah, hundred million bucks when you lay down the biggest contract ever, twelve and a half million dollars, and someone turns it down. That's got to feel pretty bad, right? And then aren't you going to end up overpaying even more so on whoever you end up getting? You you would assume, but also like the sources on this deal are what some random radio guy like <laughs> I'm not maybe right. he's got the inside scoop, right? Maybe he does, but if it was like Bruce Feldman or Andy, St- our buddy Andy Staples, or you know someone that's been working in sports media for a really long time, or Ross Dellinger, who knows everyone at LSU, you're telling me that radio guy's got it and Dellinger doesn't have it? I mean, you shitting me? Right. Well, here's the thing. Like, no offense been- to radio guys. We're radio guys. Love right. you, radio guys. We we've kind of been told all along and, and like they, that they were going to throw down the gauntlet. And it's the same type of deal, you know, that got Jimbo Fisher to Texas A and M. And, you know, there's some other things going on there, but you know, it's um I don't know. If they're laying down that much money though, like if if it is true, like I don't think Lincoln is is taking that or going there. That you got, you end up looking really 
kind of pathetic, frankly. <laughs> you know? Take my money. No. Why not? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> no, I, I get what you're saying. No, it is, but I wonder how much money they offered him. Because, like, you know, I know for a fact that LSU, the people within that athletic department are saying that Lincoln Riley is a candidate, right? I know that for a fact. Now, whether the, the use of the word candidate is interesting, right? Because there's two ways it could be a candidate that is in it that is interested or it's a candidate that is not interested. And really that at that point, it just becomes a wish list. Mm -hmm. So they're throwing around the term candidate and yeah, they should offer Lincoln Riley a ton of money. They should, and they should make him say no. Like that's what LSU should do. Right. Well, it, and here's how I would, the reason I think they would say that he's a candidate would mean that like he's, He's not going to engage in any talks just to do it, right? You have to show up with a pile of cash and throw it out there and and see what they do with it, you know? And if if they throw that pile of cash out there, the representation is saying, like, here's your here's your massive payday. Now, you can either take it, go to LSU, and we'll negotiate some other things, or you can use this as an opportunity to say, hey, like my market value is is more than what I'm I'm under contract with right now. And now I don't I'm not saying that Oklahoma would do anything with that because he's got a really good contract and he's paid really well. But like that's where the time thing comes in. You know what I'm saying? Like that's like if someone says, "Hey, you know what? That's a hell of an offer. I appreciate that, but you know we're we're good here. We're we're going to finish up what we've got going. We we've got a good thing. We appreciate you guys thinking of us, but we're just not interested." Like if that happened, people wouldn't still be saying that he's a candidate and still be talking about it. At least in that's that's my opinion. So like I still don't think Lincoln Riley goes, and but that the fact that it's like taking a while tells me that the offer was made and they are maybe using that offer to their advantage. That would be the, that was be my only take. I, this is, this is the way I feel about it. If someone offers you a hundred million dollars, you have to listen no matter how happy you are where you're at and no matter what they're asking you to do right yes you have to say <laughs> okay i'll hear you out right that's just i feel like that has to be a concrete rule in life if someone wants to give you a hundred million dollars you gotta hear them out guaranteed too guaranteed yeah. so yeah it, and listen scott woodward ad at lsu teddy and i will be co-head coach you get both of us and we'll do it for 80 million. <laughs> Save your 20, 20 million. We don't have a buyout. Yeah, we'll go buyout. That's fine. Sure. It's not a very right. good negotiating tactic, Ted. What are you doing? But no, I'm saying like they don't have to like LSU would have to buy Lincoln out, Lincoln's contract oh, yeah. out. Like we hey, you don't even have to worry about that money. Now maybe you'll have to pay us for what we've invested in the podcast, you know, true. which true is not a ton, but <laughs> 
<laughs> which is like $12 a month or whatever. Yeah, 80 million will cover it. Yeah, I think we'll cover it. But yeah, we'll do it. 80 million. You get both of us. We're co-head coach of the LSU Tigers. Uh, hopefully, hopefully our wives won't divorce us if we have to move to Baton Rouge. The offers, the offers out there, Woodward. Ball's in your court, bud. I, my wife would live in uh, Baton Rouge for $40 million. I'm not sure if my would or not. <laughs> I'm really not sure. All right. If you are a whiskey or bourbon drinker, stop what you're doing. Head to your favorite liquor store and buy some Balcones products. You've got to grab some of Balcones Lineage Single Malt Whiskey. It was just voted one of the top 20 whiskeys in the world by Whiskey Advocate, and you'll be shocked by how affordable it is. Also, you got to snag some of Balcones Baby Blue Corn Whiskey. It's made from blue corn. That's the fancy corn. And that is why it has won more than 25 awards. Last but certainly not least, you got to buy some of Balcones Pot Still Bourbon. Its big flavors make it the perfect bourbon to drink year-round. In 2012, Balcones won the best-in-glass competition, beating brands like Johnny Walker and McAllen, and became the first American distillery to win the competition. This stuff is the real deal, people. If you love great whiskey and bourbon at a great price, then Balcones products are the only way to go. The whiskey may be made in Texas, but the owners are from Oklahoma. To find a liquor store that has it, visit BalconesDistilling.com. All right, for my win of the week, thought about going with Texas defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski because Texas's defense stinks. I mean, bad. They're bad. They just lost to Kansas. The guys didn't play with any effort. But Chris Del Conte, the Texas athletic director, he put out his little weekly letter to the fans. Ted, I'm sure you've seen this. Mm-hmm. And it was chock full of excuses for why Texas sucks at football right now. Just full of them. But he made some valid points. But one interesting point he made in his letter was that he said Sark will not be asked to make any staff changes. So that is an absolute win for Kwiatkowski, whose defense is currently 105th in total defense in the country, 108th in scoring defense. I feel like our man Pete Kwiatkowski, he saw that and he was like, Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. Maybe, maybe he was thinking, get me out of here. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, uh, I, I agree. I thought that was, uh, I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a good sign. How about Sark saying I could see us with 33 new scholarship players next year. Woo. Yeah. I, okay. So, right. So it's clear there's a divide between the coaches and the players and probably the locker room is clearly Mm -hmm. split. They just lost to Kansas, but I don't have a huge problem with him saying that. Actually, I don't think I have much of a problem at all because number one, they've already had those conversations within, within those walls. Like I always think it's important for players to know where they stand and for him to say that, there's a lot of guys that already know where they stand. And Bo Davis said it. Get your ass in the transfer portal. But it also is kind of like a he's setting an alarm off for players across the country. Hey, yep. come play in Texas. We need you. Come on. We need yep. some new guys. Well, yeah. And I, I still think 
you know, and, and I said it when it, when it happened, but that video that came out, Bo Davis, and like you, you watched those guys the way they were warming up before the OU Texas game. It was a bloodbath. Like they, Texas knows what their problem has been in the past. And, you know, we've laughed at the culture for a long time of people saying that they're soft and it's too easy. It's a country club there. And, it's hard to it's hard to reset that one, man. That's a hard one. You're going to get a lot of pushback. Everyone's been super comfortable around there. They're making a lot of money. Uh, the players are superstars walking around. Like the, everyone's really comfortable. But when you go in and you start pushing buttons, and you start making it incredibly demanding and physical and difficult, and off seasons just going to be brutal, like. That's you're going to get a lot of pushback, but the guys that stay, those are going to be your foundation for whatever you want to build moving forward. Yep. Those are the guys you want guys that can go through that, but all right, my winner of the week, Steph Curry. I know Ted, I know you're not watching NBA right now. I understand, Christmas Day. but I will, I will update you with what's going on with the golden state warriors. Uh, the Warriors smacked the Nets on Tuesday night in Brooklyn. Steph Curry was 9 of 14 mm. from three. And, Ted, it was so fun to watch. He ended up with 37. And it, it was really weird watching the game because the game was in Brooklyn. But the Warriors went on one of those runs. And then Steph got in and he was nailing threes. And it was like the crowd was cheering for the Warriors. <laughs> They were chanting MVP for him. I mean, it was Kevin Durant, who is is leading the league in scoring, had to be like, "What the hell, guys? I mean, what this is this is our this is our arena. What's going on here?" But that the Warriors are fun to watch again. They are they are really fun to watch again, and they're twelve and two. They got the best record in the NBA, and got a ton of length, which makes them really tough defensively. If you can look past Draymond Green and all his antics, if you can get past that, you can have a lot of fun watching this team. I mean, I know that's a lot to get past for you, Ted, and it may be impossible at this point for some people with how some people feel about Draymond around here. But Andrew Wiggins is playing really well. Jordan Poole in his short shorts. uh, I mean, it's a nice compliment to Steph Curry in the backcourt. and. Steve Kerr just came out and said that Clay Thompson is back to playing five on five in practice. So they're expecting him back at some point. I know you're not watching NBA right now, Ted, but I'm just telling you the Warriors are fun. Yeah, I could maybe get past Steve Kerr and Draymond Green if it wasn't for that damn mouthpiece hanging out of Steph Curry's mouth. I that's the that, icing out of all I, the things that's of, what bothers you I, that I, I could maybe get past those other things but that one is just I, I don't know where it ranks but those three things together are I can't get over it I just can't, can't. okay well, it's not gonna happen well, since you're not paying any attention to the NBA uh, by the way Thunder won again tonight beat the Houston Rockets so the tank is it's not going particularly well. It's, it's a, not. Remember when I told you to take the over for the win yeah. total? Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, uh-huh. the Thunder, they they have already won six games. Six and eight. They it they would currently me, be in the play in game. Uh my little magic eight ball says that SGA's got a soft tissue injury coming up and we're not gonna see him until the all star break. <laughs> oh boy. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> well, he's not it's not gonna be I they're are, are are we really gonna allow them to play themselves out of the number one draft pick? Are they gonna do that to themselves? Yes. They just beat the Rockets. The Rockets have won one game. One. The Rockets are now after losing to the Thunder tonight. They are one and fourteen. How are the Thunder supposed to be worse than them? I don't know, but if they keep doing this. Like someone's gonna pull a Jackie Moon and be running out there trying to like block shots from their own team and stuff to try to get them to lose games at the end. But they're gonna make Mike Muscala do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Other other weird NBA things that you probably need to know: uh, the Milwaukee Bucks not playing very well right now. Giannis is still awesome, but Middleton's missed time. He had COVID. Uh, oh, here's one for you: the Washington Wizards. Uh, they've got the best record in the Eastern Conference, followed by the Chicago Bulls. Getting that uh, post Westbrook bump, huh? So, just <laughs> there's your NBA update, Ted. All right, for my loser of the week, I thought about going with Staples Center because everyone knows the name. It's kind of iconic, right? Yeah, I mean, it just it rolls off the tongue. It's great. It's been the home to the Lakers, Clippers. I think the LA Kings play hockey there. Like. The Grammys are there. Like everything happens at Staples Center, but not anymore once Christmas rolls around because the name will then change to Crypto.com Arena. Wow. After I saw this, it made me start to think, I'm shocked that it's taken this long. Is Staples even still a thing? Oh, yeah. There's one right down the street from my house. Okay. All right. I haven't I been sure. in it in years, but it's there. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I wasn't sure if those those were still around or not, but yeah. Um, okay. Crypto, huh? Do you think, how do you think they paid for it? I know it's uh, it got a big price tag on it. Just throw them some coins, a little digital asset there. I, I don't know. I, I assume what the crypto company can't pay in cash. Doesn't that like go against what they're all about? You would think I like it. Who knows? All right. My loser of the week, Mike white, New York Jets quarterback, sweet, sweet Mike, Mike white. So Zach Wilson still out with the knee for the jets. He's not healthy enough to go. Um, And even though Mike white threw four picks against Buffalo last weekend, we all were just expecting, you know what? He's, he's got to get another crack at it. If Wilson can't go wrong, 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 wrong. Robert Sala came out, announced that Joe Flacco will be starting over Mike white against the dolphins. And Ted, his reasoning may have been the most painful thing for Mike white because Sala basically comes out and said the the Dolphins' defense is – he didn't say these exact words, but this is how I interpreted it. He was like, the Dolphins' defense is too complex for Mike White. <laughs> it's basically, and it's not like the Dolphins' defense is a juggernaut this season. Right. The Dolphins are not a good football team this year, but Sala was basically like, 
Flacco will handle, he'll handle the blitzing better. He'll be calm. He'll be cool. So he basically, he benched Mike White. And I guess Flacco found out via text message. So this whole thing, it's just like, I, this has to hurt Mike White's soul, right? I just, it has to. And Jets fans are kind of pissed. I'm, I'm good buddies with a couple of Jets fans. They're uh, not particularly happy. So I suppose. Did you ever go play against the Jets? Or the Giants in that in that stadium? Oh, did I play? Yeah, we played. Wait. Sorry, I didn't. I was like, who did who play? You're you're asking if I played? Yeah. Um, I played against the Jets in that stadium. I actually played in what a lot of people call the colorblind game. Oh, I was playing with Buffalo. We wore the all Niners? red. It was on Thursday night. We wore all red, and they wore all green. And a bunch of colorblind people that were watching the game were really, really pissed. Brown they couldn't tell the Brown. Difference. It just looked, I guess it looked like I, gray versus gray. I thought it was awesome. I, I remember that game. It was great. But the Jets fans and the Giants fans, all they do is sit there and scream obscenities at the teams, like nonstop. So if that fan base is pissed that Flacco's playing and White is not, it's going to be awful in that stadium. Awful. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, hey, we'll always have what Mike White did against the Bengals, man. We'll right. always have that. We'll always have it. They can never take it from you, Mike White. But, yeah, the Jets want to lose. Uh, I'm not sure why they don't want to develop a young quarterback as the backup moving forward. We get Joe Flacco. Shocking. And- and he is not elite anymore, certainly. He's still rich, though, after betting on himself at that Super Bowl year. He's very Woo! rich. He's very rich. We'll see. We'll see how he fares against the complex defense of the <laughs> Miami Dolphins. Yeah, they're going to be blitzing a lot. Let's put the the least athletic quarterback in the NFL back there. You know what? The Dolphins bring a lot of pressure. Let's put a statue in quarterback. <laughs> I bet the offensive line are like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> like, just, uh, love it. No, he'll, he'll get it out. He'll throw hot. He'll throw hot. He knows the hots. It's great. All right. Episode 165 in the books. We'll have a new podcast that'll drop Monday morning. Just a reminder, you can hear Teddy from two to six on 94.7 The Ref. You can hear me from three to five on Sirius XM, Big 12 radio channel 375. Hope you all have a great rest of the week. Have a great weekend. Until next time, we appreciate you all for listening. And do what you always do, Oklahoma. Take care of each other.
for just one more time.